Good morning, Maple Grove. All right. Hey, at this time, our children, Grove kids, will be dismissed out there to the back door there where I'm pointing. Free to go there. You got some good teachers back there today. Good teachers every week. You know, I got I to gotta warn you, uh, I'm, I'm feeling pretty fired up today. I, I kind of brought back some of my old music. Um, you know, uh, when, when I came, to, I grew up in the 70s on classic rock, like the best music ever, 1970s, all right? Um, amen, amen. And that's a bunch of old people clapping out there. Pretty soon we'll be at our walkers clapping, right? But we still believe it, right? And, and when, when I came to Christ and started going to church, it was like, whoa, that's kind of rough. <laughs> that, that music, wow. All right, I love Jesus, and I guess my sacrifice is to put up with music that doesn't really work for me. And, and then I heard of a band called Petra, and, and uh, uh, 70s and 80s rock. And I got like, like four different playlists of Petra songs right now. And so I was listening to, I got my second win like four times this morning. And so, yeah, nothing like classic rock. And they did a really good job. But anyhow, all right. Petra, I've never heard of them. Check them out. Great lyrics, very biblical lyrics, very inspiring. And maybe some of the stuff you listen to um, doesn't inspire you. I'm not talking about Christian worship, but you want some decent rock that has actually a message that can help you and challenge you. Uh, I forgot how biblical they were. Okay, but this is not a message about classic rock or Petra. Uh, uh, it's a message about Jesus. And uh, I, I want to start off this morning reading um, from Luke chapter 19. And as Luke chapter 19 opens up, uh, Jesus, he's on his way to Jerusalem for, for the very last time. In other words, he's on his way to Jerusalem to go to the cross. And I have a, you can see a picture right here, up here. Up here in Caesarea Philippi, that, that's where Jesus in Matthew 16, remember, he said, who do people say that I am, right? And they identified him as the Messiah, and he began to talk about his death, burial, and resurrection. Not long after that, in, in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, I love this verse. It says that after Jesus taught him about his death, resurrection, and burial, that he, he set his face, he set his face towards Jerusalem. He was determined to go to Jerusalem um, th- because he was about to be taken up and about to give his life. And you can see kind of the journey he takes all the way up from Caesarea Philippi over here across the Jordan. And then here's a cool little picture. I thought this picture looked pretty decent. You know, like here's Jericho. And so he makes his journey from Jericho to to Jerusalem. It's about 20 miles, and he's going to go about a half a mile uphill, right, in elevation as he makes that journey. And just to kind of give you an idea of the terrain and what's going on. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Tells us a few things about him. He's wealthy. Why? Because he was a tax collector. And to be a tax collector for Roman Empire, once you collected the taxes Rome wanted, you were free to collect any of, as much money as you wanted for yourself. And so this man was wealthy. And he was probably um, not liked very much. He wanted to see who Jesus was. I wonder why. Like, like why did he want to see Jesus? You know, I, I kind of think maybe, you know, he had hoped that wealth would, would answer and, and be the answer for his life, to give his life meaning. And maybe he's like, you know what, this is not working. You know, and I heard about a brother tax collector named Matthew 
I saw him at the last tax, tax collector's convention. You know, we did lunch together. We're at the round table together. And he, he talked about this guy named Jesus. And so maybe he's like, he's like, man, I got to see Jesus. Because you know what? I thought having all this wealth and money would make me happy, but it's just not working. So he ran ahead and climbed. Oh, oh, oh. He wanted to see Jesus, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. You know, and not to spiritualize every word in here, but has the crowd, has the crowd that maybe you hang out with, have they kept you from seeing Jesus? So he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked in that tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down for we're going to you. Okay. All right. I didn't get the response I was hoping for. <laughs> not, not either. I know. I, I just, I just messing with you. All right. Um, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus. So not only did Jesus know his name, but he knew where he was. Like he stopped right at that spot. And what I want you to know, brothers and sisters, is, is that Jesus knows your name. And he also knows where you are this morning. Mountain high. Or valley low. Or maybe up in your own sycamore tree of unmet hope and expectations. Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. This is the guy that took all my money. This is a guy. This is why we can't pay our bills. This is the guy why they repoed our donkey, Right? He's gone to be a guest of a sinner. And listen, this wasn't the first time that Jesus was accused of hanging out with sinners. In fact, along with healing people on the Sabbath, it's what really angered the religious people so many times. In fact, after he converted Matthew, the tax collector, Matthew threw a a large party and and, uh, people weren't happy about it because it was full of tax collectors and other people. And Jesus answered them, it's not that healthy Luke 5, 31 and 32. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. But Zacchaeus stood up, and I think he heard what everybody was saying, but sometimes you have to ignore the crowd if you want to see Jesus. And he said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Maple Grove, Jesus came to, to seek and save the lost. That, that word seek is the, the Greek word soteo, and it means to seek intently in order to find. It's the word used of King Herod when he sought Jesus to kill him. It's the word used in Matthew 6 to say we're to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. It's the word used in Luke chapter 15 of a woman looking for the lost coin. And it's the word used describing Satan, the roaring lion, looking for someone, searching for someone to devour. So it's an intense kind of seeking in order to find. He came to seek and to save the lost. Uh, that word save is the Greek word sozo. It means to save, to rescue from danger or destruction, to make whole or to, to heal. 
It's the word used in Matthew 2 that Jesus would save his people from their sins. It's the word used in, in, in Matthew chapter 8 in the middle of the storm when the disciples are freaking out and they said, Lord, save us. It's the word used of the woman who said, hey, if I can just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, I will be healed. And it's the word used in 1 Peter 3.21 to say, by the waters, this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. The word lost is the Greek word apollomi. means to destroy, to render useless, to kill, to abolish, to ruin, to put an end to. It's a word used of Herod, again, seeking to kill Jesus. It's a word used in John 3.16, right? The word believes in them will not perish. It's used seven times in in Luke chapter 15, to describe the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. It's the word used in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. It's the word used in John chapter 10, verse 10, that the thief has come to kill, steal, and to destroy. Maple Grove, Jesus came to seek intensely in order to find those who were in a place where they would be destroyed, killed, abolished, ruined, and rendered useless, so that he could heal and make them whole, rescuing them from the judgment and wrath of God. Get it? Good. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too, in spite of how you view him, in spite of what you think about him, this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Heavenly Father, we humbly come into your presence today. Many of us, most of us perhaps were lost but have been found. Uh, we needed rescue and you rescued us. And Father, I pray that... Uh, your word will penetrate deep into our hearts this morning, judge our thoughts and attitudes, and move us to be the people you want us to be. Help me not to get in the way of what your people need to hear here in this room and here and to those listening online. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so we're in the series called This Is... Dot, dot, dot. And the intent, the goal, the purpose, the aim, the point, the objective of this series is to reset and remind ourselves of who we are and what we've been called to do. I'm going to get a reset button before this series is over to have people hit it, okay? Reset. This is me. I preach Christ. I depend on Christ. And I want to take you to Christ. Reset. This is you. Your life is short. You're missed. Your time is running out, so you best get busy doing what God created you to do, or you will never do it. Your dash is running out. Reset. Reset. This is us. Excuse me. Reset. This is him. God's love for you is beyond reason. God is, God's love for you is for you. It's a love that pays attention to you. It's a love that delights in you. It's a love that pursues you. Remember, Jesus pursues you with his 
love so that he does not have to pour out on you his wrath. Reset. That's who he is. This is him. Reset. This is us. Vision. We are about, as a church, connecting people to change a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're about following Christ and life-changing community. Reset. And, you know, long before COVID, long before I ever heard the word COVID-19, or those two words that we all love so much, social distancing, I think we needed to hit reset on our vision, on our mission. I know I needed to hit reset on this is me, right? My time is running out. This is me. Here's what I'm supposed to preach, right? I think COVID-19 and the craziness of the last 12 months is just reminding us, right? Hey, there's some really important things, and we best get busy. We feel out anything, not COVID, not social distancing, not our pre-COVID life and how we lived our life back then, doing what we wanted to do, when we wanted to do it, take us off mission. This is us, mission. Like Jesus, we seek the loss. See, like Jesus, we are called to seek intently in order to find those who are right now on March the 7th, 2021, those who are right now in a place where they will be destroyed, ruined, killed, and rendered useless so that Jesus can heal and make them whole and they'll be rescued from the judgment and wrath of God. This is us, mission. Like Jesus, we seek the lost. And listen, if we, if you want to fulfill your mission of seeking the lost... You must fix your focus, you must fight the obstacles, and you must know the stories. And by the way, this morning, God showed up in a burning bush, not really, uh, but told me, hey, you know what, that last point, save it for next week, <laughs> or else you have to rush through it. So to know your stories is very important, but that's going to be next week, all right? Uh, so get, sometimes you get freaked out. I've already talked for 75 minutes, and you're like, he has, still has this much left on his notes. We'll never get out of here, all right? I promise you, you'll be home in time for supper tonight, guaranteed, right? Okay, so let's talk about um, fixing your focus, all right? Fix your focus. You need to fix your focus on your one job, on your one job. As a Jesus follower, you have how many jobs? You have one job. And there's a, there's a website out there, one of my favorites, called youhadonejob.com. And it talks about how people had one job, but that seemed kind of easy, and they should have understood it, but they still found a way to mess it up. So here's a picture. You only had one job, right? <laughs> Turn left. You only had one job. I like that one. Here's another one. You had one job, right? That would be hard to walk down those stairs, right? It's like you had one job. I love this one. You may think, school-free drug zone. Hey, I'm going. <laughs> Just drugs, no school. Got to love it. Anybody see anything wrong with that picture right there? I'd actually like to have that shirt. All right. Here's another one. Me too. I think I'll wait till we get home. Those doors should be just a little bit lower, don't you think? Anything? Spider-Man. I like, I like to have that one too. 
You only had one job. Do not stack, right? Okay, I guess they had one job. Didn't quite get that one. I love this one here too. <laughs> I guess you just lay on that one, right? You know? And this one's really, I think this one's really funny. Because the C is on the side. College of Architecture and what? Planning. I don't, okay. I'm, I'm not sure that would inspire people to go to your school, right? I, I, just, I just don't think it will. And I may throw some more up next week. If you have some good ones, send them to me at steve at the grove, seville.org, right? I love, I've always loved those things. But as Jesus followers, we have, we have one job. There's one main thing, to seek and save the lost. In order to do that, I want to tell you some three things that you can do, that I can do, that will help us fix our focus. Number one, submit to his command. Uh, when it comes to what our mission is, Jesus made it really clear. I mean, he couldn't make it, make it any clearer. In fact, some of the final words he spoke to his disciples were about this mission that he had given to them. Here's what he said in Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And this is known as the great what? The great? The great? All right. Remember, if you want to go home, you got to participate, right? It'll make me feel lonely up here. And here's some words that Jesus said right before he ascended to the Father. He's talking to his guys. And they kind of want to know, hey, can we have a, a diagram of like when you're coming, you know, so we can teach Bible classes and write books about it or whatever. He says, that's not your business, right? That belongs to the Father, not me, not you, not me. Then he said this, here's your job. That's not your job, but here is your job, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? And the word witness is the Greek word martus, martus, it's where we get our English word martyr, right? I find it interesting that a Greek word that meant simply to bear witness, to get testimony of what you've seen and have heard, the meaning actually changed. Because those who are witness for Christ in the early centuries actually did what? They gave their lives for him. And there to be his witnesses were in Jerusalem, right? Like where they live, where they work, where they went to school, in their neighborhood, and to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus makes it really clear in Matthew and in Acts that, that, that our mission is to go and make disciples. That is to be his witnesses where we live and expand outwards. And, and then through Jesus, who the pen of Paul, paints this powerful picture of what our, uh, of, of what our mission is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is so good. For Christ's love compels us. We're not compelled by duty. We're not compelled by laws. Christ's love, the love that delights in us, that's for us, that's beyond all reason, that pays attention to us, that pursues us. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced, are you, that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. 
Okay, like Jesus died for you. And who are you living for? Are you still living for yourself or are you living for him? So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We, we don't view people as a crooked tax collector in a sycamore tree anymore. That we once regarded Christ in this way and we do so no longer. Uh, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. That's the gospel, right? The gospel is about new. The gospel is about, hey, the old is gone. We don't live in the old. We don't live in the past. We live in the new. And all this is from God. He did everything. We added nothing to it. We had no power ability to pull it off. Who, all this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, that word for reconciliation is a Greek word, katalasso. Katalasso, and it means to return someone to favor. He gave us the ministry of returning people to God's favor. I like that. That God was reconciling, returning to favor the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed to us the message of Catalasso, returning people to God's favor. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled, be returned to God's favor. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Maple Grove, this is us. Mission to seek and save the lost. And for that to happen, you need to fix your focus. And to do that, you must submit to his commands of being his witnesses, his martus in your Jerusalem, your Judea, and beyond. Submit to his command of going and making Jesus followers in all nations. Submit to his command of reconciling, returning people to God's favor so they'll no longer have their sins counted against him. Are you ready to, like, really submit to his commands? Like, memorize them. This is what you're called to do. It, returning people to God's favor. And, and next, to help you fix your focus, and me fix my focus, see the reward. On August 5th, 2010, a mine collapsed in Chile, trapping 33 miners under a half a mile under some of the hardest rock on the planet. I recently started reading a book about this called Deep Down Dark. Yeah, the rock that was above them was two times the size of the Empire State Building. Those said that they had a 2% chance of actually being rescued. One man down there was Jose Enrique. He was 54. He'd been working in the mines since 1970s, and he was a Jesus follower, and they all knew it. And they asked him to pray right when it began. And he said, okay, I, I agree to pray, but on one condition. When I come to God, I like to come to God on my knees, and so I'm going to ask you if you would join me on your knees. And they did. And he prayed. Lord, we aren't, we aren't the best of men, Lord. 
but have pity on us. We are sinners. And, and Jose made it clear that they were desperate for God's help. And after they prayed, the men said, okay, Jose, what do we do now? And he said, well, I think what we need, need to do now is we need to confess our sins out loud to God. And one man confessed his sins of alcoholism and the terrible effect that it had on his family. Another confessed the temper that he had that hurt so many people. Another confessed that, confessed that he had been a, a very terrible father to his daughter. And one after another, these men looked back on their past and repented of the path that led them to where they were. Not trapped in the mind, but trapped in sin. And day after day, in the dark, no light at all, they prayed. And each day, Jose would teach them more things about Jesus and with the the scriptures that he had memorized, right? Because there was no light. He shared Jesus every day. And the men hung on every word as his voice echoed in the chamber. They prayed from the soul. They worshiped with their spirit. And they cried out to God for help. And they promised, God, if you would rescue us, we're going to change our lives. We're going to live differently. And while these men in the deep down dark were, were praying for 69 days, workers and engineers were trying to rescue them. They worked nonstop at a cost of about $20 million as billions looked on. Now, now, now why would so many people work for so long at such a great cost? Because in their minds, they could see the reward. They could see the reward of seeing these fathers and sons, uncles, rescued because of their effort. Seeing the reward will help you focus on your mission. Uh, Seeing the reward of a life being rescued, of a life being saved, of a life being changed, of eternity being redirected through the gospel and power of Christ. I mean, can, can you see the reward? I mean, can you picture that person that you know right now? They're in your family, maybe. They're your coworker. They're a neighbor. They're, they, they've been a friend of you for years. or someone you've known through Facebook. Right now, they stand in loss. Right now, they are in the deep down dark, facing God's wrath and God's judgment. But can, can, you, can you see the picture of them being rescued? Can you see the picture of them being saved? Can you see the picture of them having their life changed, of them having hope and a, a new life and it being excited? Can you see the picture? See the reward of that life being changed and, and also see the reward that you get. I, I think that, I don't know this dude, that, that's Super Mario, by the way, right? I think he has a reward seeing this guy rescued, and I think he has a reward knowing that he played a part. Knowing that because of a part that he played, Mario was rescued from that mine shaft. And that's what it enabled him, right? Because I'm sure, I'm sure it was hot there. I'm sure they got tired. I'm sure they got discouraged, right? Trying this, it didn't work. Trying this, it didn't work. But they just kept going and going because they saw the reward. They knew they were doing it for a purpose. Listen, seeing the reward of our mission is what enables us to endure in our mission. 
Singular word of our mission. Lives rescued and changed. Playing a part in that is what enables us to endure in our mission. You know, we're reading Acts chapter. We're reading the book of Acts and our faith comes from hearing right now. And oh my goodness, the early church. I mean, it wasn't easy. Persecution broke out really fast and they had to leave their homes. And you, you see this guy named Paul. I mean, he goes into the city, they, they riot, they beat him, they take him outside the city and they stone him. I actually think they killed him and God raised him up, but we don't know for sure. But where, did, where was Paul the next day? He went back into that town. What the? What are you doing? Because he saw the reward. He saw the reward of rescue. That's why like in a Philippian jail, he writes a book in jail. All about joy. I mean, this dude had more joy and more peace and more contentment and more fulfillment and more satisfaction sitting in a jail than most of us have sitting on a beach. Why? How? Because his life was focused on the mission. That's why Paul said in Acts 20, verse 24, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me unless I get to do whatever I want to do with my life, achieve my retirement goals, whatever. No. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. See, I think the thing that is missing from many of our lives that is keeping us from experiencing Paul's kind of joy and experience the fullness of life in Christ is that we are not sold out and we're not living radically for the mission of Christ. In Hebrews chapter 12, we read this. For the joy, about Jesus, for the joy set before him, the reward, doing the Father's will, rescuing you and I, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorned at shame, and sitting down at the right hand of the throne of God. Keep our focus on our mission. We must submit to the scriptures. We must see the reward. And we must say a simple prayer every day. Here, here's a prayer. Lord, please give me one person to share your love with today. Amen. That prayer is called pray for one. I, 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 didn't, I didn't realize this. And, and, and by the way, um, the fight the obstacle is going to be next week too, right? Um, this is too important to rush through anything I'm going to be saying in the next several weeks. It's time to reset. I didn't know this, didn't plan this, but on the first Sunday of March, which today is, of 2016, we began a series called Pray for One five years ago. And like I said before, long before COVID, we needed to hit reset on our mission, right? On why we're here and what we're about and what we're called to do. Just praying the simple prayer every day. The prayer was started, I mean, the guy didn't invent prayer, but a guy named Bo Chansey, Manchester Christian Church in New Hampshire, I went to a conference, heard him speak, and even got to talk to him a few times and stuff. He wrote a great book. 
got a book right here. Soon I'll be asking our life groups to go through this book again. Reset, right? Because we didn't get it. We didn't do really good on it. How do I know? Because we weren't seeing a lot of people. I wouldn't see, you weren't seeing me, and I wouldn't seeing a bunch of you up here with your friends and neighbors saying, hey, here's my coworker. You didn't see me either, so, hey, this is on me too. Here's my neighbor. Here's my friend. Here's a person. I, I, he, he's on my son's daughter's soccer team. And we started doing lunch together, and it's my honor today to baptize in Christ. I didn't, so we didn't get it, right? Old is gone. The new is here. My goal is to beat us up and to get us up. Amen? Right? I'm not satisfied, and I know you're not either, right? And, and so, in a, COVID, because church wasn't the way it's supposed to be, but listen, 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 listen. You know, a lot of times I'm like, I was lucky with your mask on. And, and, and they, we gotta, but sometimes they are fun because you can intentionally ignore people, right? And you, like you can pretend you don't know that's them when they are them, right? And, and I don't know about you, sometimes my facial expression gives me away in, in a bad way, and it's kind of hidden. Sometimes I can even mumble under my breath and no one even knows it. So, I mean, it's, you know, some advantages maybe to a mask. And maybe I'm the only sinner like that out there with masks. But... And so a lot of times you say, hey, I want, I can't wait the church is back to normal. But listen, if back to normal means we're back to two years ago when the mission of Christ wasn't propelling and driving us, where we didn't weep for the lost, I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to go back to that kind of normal in my life or the church life because its mission is too costly. People are in the deep down and dark. They need rescue. They need to be healed and touched by Jesus. I don't want to go back to that kind of normal. Do you? If that's normal. I got my mask off. I can hug people. Well, the world's dying. We don't care. How do we know we don't care? Because we're not seeing them saved, right? And, and, and here's what Bo writes in this book. You can go for his website, prayforone.com. But here's what he writes. It's so good. Reset. Pray that God would place someone, anyone in your life to share the gospel with. As often often as you pray, pray for one. Allow your primary prayers to move beyond prayers for self into prayers for one. Instead of just praying for promotions, protection, and provision, plead first for one. What occurs when we pray for one is that our entire outlook on life changes. Instead of viewing people as nuisances, we see them as the one. People are no longer our competition or our enemies. They are objects of grace waiting to be found. Praying for one will produce a new worldview as you see everything through the lens of Jesus and the mission to seek and save the lost. Praying for one will change your foundational purpose for living. Life will suddenly spring to life through the sincerity of this simple prayer. When you want what Jesus wants, life finally makes sense. And the joy of spiritual reproduction consumes you. Our hearts change. We find that we are not too busy to speak to a neighbor or stay late with a coworker. We find that our heads are up and that we make eye contact with people because we never know who the one will be. Every person you encounter is a potential one. Every appointment is divine. Every conversation is a unique opportunity to share God's love. Every day has purpose and each moment is filled with mission. No day is wasted. Because we arise in the morning 
with a true sense of mission and purpose, the first words on our lips are, give me one, the gospel becomes each day's destination. Wow. What a way to live, right? And I got to tell you, that church has lived it rather well. When they began praying that prayer, they're about a church of 1,200, and then now they're a church of over 5,000. When we were in Massachusetts at MOVE a couple years ago in 2019, Bo's church was there, his youth group, and I got to talk to some of the students, and you could even hear them talking. You know what they talked about? I heard them talking about? Pray for one. Pray for one. Like, it's just crazy. Everybody has a one. You ask someone there, hey, who's your one? Who's the one that God put in your heart to save? Who's the one that God brought into your life that you can share the good news of Christ with, right? You see, I don't know about you. I'm just being honest here. You know, sometimes I'm just trying. Sometimes my goal is just to get through the day. <laughs> Grind it out, right? And even Sundays. You know what my goal is Sunday? Get up in the morning, get my sermon ready, grind through my sermon. Football season, watch the NFL. Throw some, something on the grill and go to bed. And then Monday, do Monday. But, but imagine waking up every day and you say, hey, Lord, today I'm on mission. I'm not just going to work. I'm not just going to the gym. I'm, this, I'm not just going to school. I'm going to the mission field. Lord, if there's someone you want me to share your love with, make that known. My eyes are open, my hearts are open to these people who are trapped in the deep down dark. And, and, and I want to tell you something that I'm doing to help remind me. I want to pray that in the morning, but to remind me to pray that throughout the day. And, and we really are almost done, because this is really important, but this is a nice, good homework assignment for us this week to see what happens. Um, in Luke chapter 10, verse 2, we read these words. Jesus had just sent out the Uh, The 70, and here's what he said. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is what? It's great, but the workers are what? Anybody know? Few. And is that a good thing or a bad thing for a farmer, right? It's like, man, the harvest is ready. I planted. I made all the sacrifice. It's a great crop, but guess what? I got no one to harvest it. That's not good. And he goes, so pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. And that's Luke 10, verse 2. I have an alarm set on my phone to go off every day at 10.02 a.m. Every day. And when I hear that go off, I confess sometimes I ignore it because I'm, I'm too busy. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. But to go off to, to pray. I say, God, the harvest is great. There's people trapped under half a mile of stone and they can't dig out themselves. God, send harvesters. Make me a harvester, right? And so I got my alarm every day to go off. I encourage you to do that. Put it on silent if it's going to go off and interrupt you. Before you leave this building today, set the alarm for 10.02 a.m. every day to remind you to pray for one and to be on mission and to send out harvesters. And recently, I, I, I got another alarm in the afternoon that's set for 4.35 p.m. every day. If you want to do 4.35 a.m., more power to you, I'm sticking with the p.m. And it's based on this right here. 
You know, in John chapter 4, Jesus meets a woman at the well who life wasn't working out for this lady, right? Married five times. Now she's living with a guy who won't even give her a name, his last name. And, 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 but yet she meets Jesus and learns about true worship and living water and, 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 and she surrenders her life to Jesus and disciples, while Jesus is at the well, they want the, they want to, uh, they want the Chick-fil-A, right, through the drive-thru, and they were getting food. And, and Jesus waiting for the food. And uh, they come back and find out, Jesus goes, Jesus, are you hungry? I already ate. What do you mean? We don't see any food? We don't see any wrappers? What do you mean you already ate? And I love this. He says, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. John 4.35, don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? Hey, we got time. My aunt, my uncle, my cousin, my son, my daughter, my family member, my neighbor, we got time. I got time to share the gospel with them. There's plenty of time to harvest. It's four months. I got four months. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. And so this morning, because I hadn't set this one yet, I set my alarm to go off at 4.35 every day to remind me to open my eyes and look at the fields. You know, 195 million people in America don't go to church. If those people formed a nation, it'd be the eighth largest nation in the world. Everywhere, right? And so, just certain, I just encourage you. That's what, that's what I'm going to do. And so I encourage you this week. This is our homework, right? See what happens. You know, when you pray, hey, God, I want that job. God, help things go better at school or at work. God, help me to find that perfect mate for my life. You don't really know if he wants to answer that one, do you? Or how he's going to answer that one. When you pray, God, who have you put in my sphere of influence that you want to know your love and experience your grace? Do you think he wants to answer that one? You know he does. So that's your homework assignment. That's my homework assignment. You know, it, it is to pray for one, to pray that prayer. I really do encourage you to set your alarms. You know, and when that goes off, like, oh, wow. And there just might be, it just might go off right at a time where somebody asks you, hey, can I talk to you a minute? And you're like, you know what? I got to be somewhere. And, and you're about to leave. And that alarm goes off. You're like, wait a second. <laughs> God, you, you brought the one right here. And I was about to run home because I was too busy. And now, guess what, God? You know what? There's nothing more important than me being right here with this person created in your image who is trapped in a deep down dark. This is us. Mission reset. We're to seek, like Jesus, we're to seek the loss. And to do that, we must fulfill. We must fix our focus. Submit, and we do that by submitting to his commands. Right, we fix our focus, we submit to his commands, 
And like, he's the commander in chief. And you signed up. Like, when I was in the Navy, right? I didn't have to, I wasn't drafted, right? It's free will. There was a draft at one time. I didn't draft. I went in voluntarily, you know? And, and it was my choice. But once I did that, it could be like, you know, hey, hey the sub's going out for a three-month patrol. And I'm like, you know, you know what, Captain? That's just not going to work for me. You know, I guess, you know, let me know when you're back and check in. I didn't have a choice, right? I didn't have to sign up, but I did. If you're a Christian, you didn't have to choose. You did. Now you have a mission. Go and make disciples to be his witnesses, to, to help people find favor again with God. So you submit to his commands. You see the reward. Mario, I, I want you to see Super Mario in your dreams because you have a Super Mario that you can rescue, right? Okay? And then say a simple prayer every day. And as we used to say many, many years ago, many moons back here, and Matthew Coven would always say it, and I would go, hey, this week, Maple Grove, set your alarm to 10.02 a.m. and 4.35 p.m., pray in the morning and pray at those times that God would give you someone that you can share his love with. Do that this week, and let's see. Let's see what happens. Oh, Father God, we love you. God, thank you that you're a God of the reset. When we stumble and fall short, God, in any way, that we can reset and return to you. If we forget our mission, we can reset. If we do the things that we know we don't want to do, we can hit reset and return to you. You're a God of grace and mercy. And, and God, I pray that this week for those in this room, those listening online, and God, these are not my words or yours, God. This is not, this is not the mission I'm giving them. This is a mission that you have given them. God, I, God, I just pray. God, we pray. You know, just like God, just like those who prayed in, in that mountain, underneath that rubble, God. God, we pray that, that you would move our hearts, Lord, to pray every single day, that you would open our eyes to see who you would want us to share your love with. And God, I know you want to answer that prayer. Protect us from the evil one. He does not want us to pray this prayer. He does not want us to fulfill our mission. He's okay with us being in this room, even reading your Bible, even serving you if we're not seeking the lost. God, forgive us for, forgive me, God, for being distracted by lesser things, God. Forgive me for getting off mission. Forgive me for just grinding out my day sometimes and not knowing that there's people who need you. God, thank you that you're such an amazing God that you do not want to be our enemy, God. You want to be our friend. You want to love us. In Jesus' name, amen.